The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another special edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. We are talking defensive line today. This is the fourth out of nine position groups that we're going to be talking about. A quick shout out we got to give to JJ Stankovitz, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, host of the Under Center podcast, uh, friend of the Bear Down Report podcast, wonderful guy, is no longer to be working with NBC Sports Chicago. That is an absolute shame. It is a big loss for Chicago Bear fans all over the place. JJ, we are thinking about you. We have invited you on the podcast. We are hoping we get to talk to you. We're hoping that Bears fans get to talk to you again because Bears land is so much better than when you are in it. Also, Hank Aaron, the loss of Hank Aaron. As the time you're listening to this podcast, some time has happened, but, but it just happened for us as, as we're recording this right now. And that's a huge loss in the, in the sports world. So we just want to say we are uh, thinking about Hank Aaron and his family. Today, my guest, Tom Rossi. Now, Tom and I have actually been working together in football for... Wow, Tom, I can't believe this, 10 years. You and I have been working together for 10 years, uh, calling, uh, you actually call the, the high school games. I just work uh, in that field and it's, it's awesome to do. Tom, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we really appreciate you being a guest. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Love spending time with you anytime I can. Folks, if you're thinking about buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area this year, you've got to visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn how Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties can help you. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Visit GenevaJeff.com today or call or text Jeff directly at 630-254-4734. Let Jeff know that the Bear Down Report sent you. He would appreciate it. We would appreciate it. And as always, folks, bear down anytime you're talking to Jeff Cadwallader. All right, so now... Tom, I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to talking football with you. Uh, COVID obviously, you know, has things all over the place. We haven't had a chance to, to kind of have a little bit of banter back and forth. I've missed your Harry Carey impersonations for sure, man. And so would you just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your football background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I grew up in the Western suburbs of, of Chicago, and I played football from fourth grade all the way through my four years of college football at Loris College, small school out in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, we call it the Little Notre Dame, and that's because some of the founding uh, members of Notre Dame and initial football players, four horsemen, went out there and started that program and taught at that school. And it's a small Catholic school, gold helmets, the whole deal. We got a little grotto. But when you are not fast enough or big enough or smart enough, <laughs> To go to Notre Dame, you go to Loris College. <laughs> so I played there. Uh, I played 12 seasons of football altogether. I was a member of a high school state championship team in 1992. I was a two-year starter in high school, uh, three-year starter in college. Led my high school team in tackles for loss and pass breakups. All right. Senior year. And in college, my sophomore year, I was a player of the game once. And I also led the team in sacks my sophomore year with six and a half in 10 games. Um, and then junior year, I led the team in tackles for loss. I've served as a high school public address announcer for the past 18 years, the last 10 working with you. 
And that's been a highlight in my life. But the only thing I would say I don't, I don't like about that role is that I have to turn the microphone off when I want to give my opinion. <laughs> I, I wish folks could hear you in the booth. Some of the, the, the behind the scenes stuff, the rest of us, like there's recording that's going on and we're all like, like doing that thing that you're like, when you're laughing in church or something like that, you know, you're trying not to, and you're just kind of like put your hand over your mouth and your side is, man, it is, it is always entertaining when that mic gets turned off. I wish fans could hear it. Now, before we talk specific groups, because we brought you in to talk the defensive line. And when we think Chicago Bears over the last couple of years, defensive line is one of the most exciting to talk about. But I guess I want to kind of zoom out just a little bit. Do you have any general thoughts on the 2020 Chicago Bears? Uh, any, any thoughts whatsoever? Yeah, so my entire 12 years, I played defensive line. So I've played defensive tackle and defensive end, and that's it. So when people ask me to coach football and get involved at that level, I'm like, look, as long as there's a defensive line position open, I'm your guy. <laughs> I can also probably help out on the O-line because they, they're always blocking me. But, um, but that's, that's my experience. So I would say I'm a relative expert when it comes to defensive line. Certainly there's been some new schemes uh, developed since I played back. The last year I played football was 1998. So it's been a little while. But my opinion about the Bears is, you know, I think that they, they have some really talented players at the defensive line, specifically Hicks, Goldman, hopefully he'll be back. And I liked what I saw from Mario Edwards this past year on a few, for, for a few different reasons. But Bilal Nichols really emerged on the scene for me and a high motor guy. I love the energy that some of those guys bring. I would say that I didn't feel that they performed up to their standards this year. And I've got a few different details that that I would go into to support that if you want me to now I can you know what since we're already talking about it let, let's dive right in you know before you do that Akeem Hicks one fumble recovery three and a half sacks 49 tackles seven tackles for a loss 21 quarterback hits you know just as a, a broad question is he the best defensive lineman on the Chicago Bears I believe that he is I believe that he has been hampered with some nagging injuries the past two years. You know, he dislocated his elbow last year. He had hamstring issues this year. And his game is obviously power. He's a big, beefy guy, and he plugs holes against the run. And he's very strong, very high motor for a guy his size. And so the elbow injury to me is a super important one to, to think about because, look, I've got tendonitis in my right elbow. And just from, you know, getting old and lifting weights and stuff, but I didn't have that in college or anything. And, and now when I just try to like push against my son or something, it, it aggravates me. So I know how important it is to get leverage, to get your arms extended and to get separation from an offensive lineman. When you don't have a healthy elbow, that's difficult. The other thing I would say is with the hamstring, his game for a guy, his size is quickness off the ball. He's not a fast guy, but he's quick off the ball. And when you're pushing against 300 to 350 pound linemen and sometimes a double team that could be 600 pounds you need you need to have that burst and you need to have that initial initially you've got to be the first guy off the ball and that I think has hampered him so I think a healthy Akeem Hicks is your best defensive lineman but I don't believe he's been 100 percent just to your point that elbow injury when he came back last year too early you could see the brace and he came in 
And it was just so obvious that he wasn't the same player. And I, I, I would guess that you're absolutely 100% right, that, that that's got to be something that's lingering. When we talked linebackers, uh, we talked about Khalil Mack and, you know, his nagging injuries. That was something, you know, that was well-documented as well. All right, so let's, let's talk holistically. Tell me about this defensive line. What are the things that stood out to you? What are the things that, uh, that, that you saw in this 2020 season? Well, as a unit, I felt like there was a lot of reasons why I would say that they underperformed and they were not great. Uh, as a team, they ranked 25th in team defense in turnovers. 25th in turnovers, that's not Chicago Bears football, especially with the issues we've had offensively. So you can't have that. Uh, they were 12th in team defense, 13th in points, 17th in sacks. 17th, that's bottom of the half of the league in sacks. And 23rd in interceptions. So they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't pressure the quarterback enough. And they were talented enough to still keep points off the board for the most part. But, you know, when you're the 13th best team in the playoffs and you rank 12th in team defense with a struggling offense for half the season, there you go. So that's some team stuff. Uh, a couple things about the defensive line. They had zero fumbles forced. Zero forced fumbles out of their defensive linemen. That is incredible for a 16-game season. Incredible. You should have like one or two every game. Um, zero safeties out of your defensive line. I know safeties are hard to come by, but maybe you get at least one of them in there. Uh, 24, what's that? Especially considering how good the Bears' special teams was this year, you would think they would put them in a position where, where those safeties would somehow come away. I'd love to hear yeah. your, your continued thoughts here. Yeah, and the punting from O'Donnell, he pinned him inside the 10 a lot, so... So 24 tackles for loss from the defensive line, that, that sounds okay. But when you think about it, that's one and a half tackles for loss per game out of your front. That's not enough. That's not enough quarterback hits. They had 53, which is only three per game. You mean to tell me your defensive linemen are only hitting the quarterback three times a game? That's too many clean jerseys. Uh, and, you know, Jay Rogers was a quarterback, so maybe he likes that, but I don't <laughs> Not, not enough negative plays created by the defensive line. Um, they had one interception by Nichols and one fumble recovery. I think that was Hicks. But the Bears' leader in fumble recoveries this past year was Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> oh, man, that one hurts. That, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> and Cleo Mack was tied for second with, you guessed it, Nick Foles. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other podcast. We are, we're we're waiting to talk quarterbacks for a while because there's a lot to say. You know, really quick. One thing I wanted to point out, Ryan, about uh, Hicks, I think the the quickness off the ball affected him with that with the well the hamstring injury affected that. But I noticed it more at the end of the season against the Packers and Saints because he specifically was jumping off sides more than he ever does, and I think he was trying to get an edge because he didn't have that same burst. That's my only way to excuse it, but they just jumped off sides way too much, which allowed them to not be able to get off the ball. Therefore, too many long drives, and then you get tired. That makes a whole lot of sense. Let's switch to something I think is positive, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Bilal Nichols' development. Eddie Goldman sitting out this season was a huge loss. And, and I'm, you know, it's, it's incredibly well documented, but it seems that Bilal Nichols, five sacks, 40 tackles, seven tackles for a loss and 13 quarterback hits. The, the interception that you talked about, he actually almost had another one at, at one point uh, that his development seems to be encouraging for the next couple of years. How do you kind of feel about that? 
Well, when I was preparing to have this conversation with you, I have a lot of notes on a, key, a lot of the key players. I didn't have a lot on him because I didn't have a lot of negative things to say. And as, as an American society, we tend to focus on the negative. <laughs> so the shorter the list, the better. But I agree with you. He's only 24 years old. People need to realize that. He's only in his third – he just finished his third season of NFL football. So he's not even in his prime yet. NFL defensive linemen generally don't last for 10 years. They get beat up. They get these nagging injuries. Hicks is 31 now, and he's starting to get beat up. Uh, maybe it was a blessing that Goldman sat out because the Bears weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year, but he's going to come back hopefully fresh next year. Um, Nichols, however – emerged and that was another blessing maybe with with Goldman out as it forced someone else to step up he was second on the team in sacks to Cleo Mack had that interception which was a key play uh, and in my opinion I felt like he controlled the line of scrimmage and he brought some energy especially when Hicks was out but so that's a bright spot I think moving forward you also mentioned Mario Edwards Jr. coming in at week five four sacks 17 tackles six tackles for a loss six quarterback hits a guy coming in off the street, not with this team at the beginning of the season, your thoughts on Mario Edwards Jr. I felt that he gave them a spark at times. I do think that he has regressed since his all rookie year in 20, I think it was 2015. Keep in mind, he was next to Khalil Mack in Las Vegas or wherever they were then Oakland. So he had 33 total tackles and uh, two sacks and three forced fumbles his rookie year. And so to have the 17 tackles you mentioned, uh, I feel like he's, he's got a, a much higher bar than he's playing to. But I do think that he provided them some sparks here and there. Uh, at 280 pounds, he's a bit undersized, especially in their 3-4 front. You know, the, the nose tackle is sort of the, the key to, to stopping the run, but then those two defensive ends are more like tackles. They need to be a little bit beefier, more run stoppers. They, do, they should supply pressure, but they don't need to be fast enough to contain the quarterback in the running game. So I feel like he's a little bit undersized for their scheme, and that maybe hurts his ability to get off and make plays. But I do like his quickness, and I think he, he has a, a higher upside than he played to, but I, I also think because he's a free agent, he's an unrestricted free agent, that they may be able to get something for him. What I mean by that is let someone else make him an offer, don't match it, and see if you can get a draft pick out of that. It would be interesting to see him back with this team as a situational guy as opposed to a full-time starter. You know, I, I keep coming back to this point that with Eddie Goldman back in the middle, that allows Akeem Hicks to do what he does a lot better. And obviously if he's healthy, which you've, you've talked about quite a bit. And, and then that, that other end position. I mean, Roy Robertson Harris possibly could come back in, in a situational uh, role as well as Mario Edwards Jr. Now, a guy that a, a couple of our staff writers have been a little bit critical of is Brent Urban. Uh, I don't think Brent was looked at as a starter in any way. And I think that there were times where he was very disappointing, uh, but two and a half sacks, 36 tackles, two tackles for a loss and four quarterback hits and a really cool air guitar dance that happens after the fact. Your thoughts on Brent Urban? Well, you know, I sing in a band. So anytime you bring out the air guitar and I'm the singer who can't play guitar. So I'm all, <laughs> all about the air guitar. And he, he, I, I liked his enthusiasm. I liked the energy he brought to the defense, a little bit of a swagger. At 6'7", 300 pounds, he's a beast. 
And I think he certainly helps you in that run game and some leadership. He's not, not super young anymore. He's 29 years old. He's been in the league for seven years. Uh, I think you can resign him, maybe not for a ton of money, because he didn't have, you know, eye-opening stats. But I think you can sign him, keep him on your team, and hopefully, you know, alongside Hicks, especially if Hicks isn't fully healthy, give you that sort of run-stuffing large presence in the middle with some enthusiasm and a great air guitar. He obviously lacks consistent pass rush and doesn't supply enough pressure on the quarterback. But what people don't realize about defensive line, if they haven't played it or spent their life playing it, is that stats aren't everything. He, he controls the line of scrimmage. He does not get pushed back into linebacker lanes, allows them to flow better. He eats up blocks and allows uh, blitzers to get through. But I don't think the Bears did enough of that. That's a whole other uh, part of my uh, conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk because the big news, it's, it will be big news by the time this podcast drops. Uh, but Jay Rogers is headed to the Chargers to be reunited with Brandon Staley. Uh, in 2019, he was the NFL Defensive Line Coach of the Year. He was with the Bears for quite a while. I mean, as, as far as assistant coaches go, he, he got here in 2015 and uh, made it through the 2020 season. That's a pretty long tenure for an assistant coach. Are they going to miss him? Is, is he overrated? I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on Jay Rogers. Well, he's a former quarterback, and he's coaching the defensive line. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't have it. I mean, those are who we're, those, that's who we're trying to get to, right? So I, I just feel like that's maybe a unique position for him. It's kind of interesting that he coaches it, but I'm joking, of course. But I do think that he got praised for his work in 2018. He was the NFL Defensive Line Coach of the Year. Bears had a huge season. Hicks emerged on the scene. Um, but I think they've really, as a team, as a unit, regressed since then. And a lot of it has to do with, with Hicks's ability to be healthy. Uh, I think they are still a good defensive line, but he has not developed them enough. I, other than Nichols kind of coming on, I don't feel like the rest of the unit developed enough. Roy Robertson-Harris, one of those guys. Uh, Nick Williams came and went, but, um, but I just don't think I'm seeing enough development. Now, with Eddie Goldman out, that certainly hurted his, hurt his unit. So we can't put it all on the coach. But I don't – I think they stunted a bit. I don't think Pagano did him any favors, my opinion. They did not send enough pressure from the linebackers and the safety or corners to allow the defensive line to help get home. When you're an offensive line and you've got three guys to block, maybe a fourth, that's easy pass, pass off uh, offensive coverage. So that's my concern from – the, the way that they ran the scheme last year. I don't think they blitzed enough, especially when they played Rodgers, Breeze, and Brady. Those are guys that are, that, yeah, they'll pick you apart if you blitz, but you got to get home. You got to hit them. You got to get them off their spot. You got to maybe take them out of the game, take them out for a few plays, which could change the game. You've got to put pressure on those great quarterbacks. You can't sit back and let them pick you apart because they will, and then your defense is on the field too long. So back to your, your comment about Rodgers. I think they beat some less caliber offenses this year with quarterbacks that, you know, they could play kind of a bend but don't break scheme against. But I don't think that they did enough to help Rodgers and his unit supply pressure. The offenses just simply knew where the pass rushers were coming from too much. Uh, I wish him the best. 
as he moves on, but I think there's plenty of good potential coaches out there. Do you have a name, uh, somebody that you're looking at? Nobody specifically, but I know that there's, there are good defensive lines in the league if the Bears were 12th. So I look at the Washington football team, and I think that we should be looking into their coaching staff a little bit because they had really no offense. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and anything Ron Rivera – I mean, that guy, the fact that he found his team in the playoffs after Alex Smith going through what he went through, going through cancer treatments, the <laughs> NFC East is just garbage. We'll just say that. It is garbage. However, he fought, he played the game, and, and you know, to get his team into the playoffs was, was pretty incredible. Now, the new guy coming in, uh, Sean Desai, first defensive coordinator of Indian descent. He is the longest tenured Chicago Bears coach. He's been with this team since 2013. Sneaky. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know this until I was looking it up. He has an undergrad in philosophy and political science with a minor in biology. He has a master's in post-secondary education, a doctorate in educational administration. Started his career at Temple. He was there from 2006 to 2010 with a stop in Miami, Florida, Boston College, and then made his way here. He's got the ringing endorsement of, of Sam Acho, who was a linebacker for the Bears from 2015 to 2018. Though he coached safeties. And I, I know this is not why we brought you on, but I am kind of curious. Eddie Jackson had an abysmal season. And now we're taking the guy that was in charge of that. I mean, seeming to get praise from, from coaches all across the NFL that this is a really good hire. But as a fan who didn't play at nearly your level, I'm kind of curious, where's, where do you think this excitement is coming from? Well, I think two things. Let's go back to the head coach and the general manager. They've been given an extension, but they know they're on a short leash. So they needed to make this decision first of all, because they didn't, they don't have time to redo their defense. And they know that Desai is familiar with Vic Fangio's style of defense. He stayed here through Pagano's couple of years. So he's been around, he's been in the building, he's respected in the building, and he's going to run the same type of a scheme that they are already uh, personnel wise equipped to run. So I think that their short leash weighed into this decision quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, and they, they made the decision pretty quickly, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Sean Desai because it's, his resume is very impressive and he does get a lot of good praise from the players that have played for him and the other coaches around the league. I think it's a good hire. We'll see. But I also think that their short window weighed into the decision. Um, as far as how Eddie Jackson or some of the secondary players played this year, you know, I think that Kyle Fuller specifically was sort of looking like he may not be what we thought we drafted a few years ago. And then all of a sudden in the past few years, he's like a lockdown, shutdown corner, corner who steps up and smacks people. And I think we should focus on the fact that Desai may have had some input there. I like what I saw from their rookie safety. I don't necessarily think Eddie Jackson's playing up to his potential, of course, but that's on Eddie Jackson, too. I mean, he's been in the scheme, same scheme, step up, make some plays, you know. So their, their hire here, I think, has a lot to do with their time 
Yeah, the last thing I'll throw out there, which did give me one more bit of encouragement, was that Vic Fangio tried to get uh, Sean Desai to come out to Denver with him in 2019, and the Bears blocked it. So clearly the Bears understand this is a good coach, and clearly if Vic Fangio wanted him, there's got to be something about this guy. What I do like about his connection to Fangio is that Fangio would not just run a, a traditional 3-4 style. He would run more of a 3-4-4-3 hybrid. So there were situations in the game based on down and distance that they would switch into a 4-3, and you'd have one of those outside linebackers put their hand down and become a defensive lineman. They have the personnel to do that, and I think that also makes it a little bit less predictable where your rush is coming from. And so I'm hoping they do some more of that as 2021 evolves. I think that's going to help them get those sack numbers back up and start to create some turnovers. They just became too predictable in how they schemed and, and where the rushes were coming from. I know that Robert Quinn seemingly would really benefit from that. His numbers as an outside linebacker versus a traditional D end and a 4-3 scheme vastly different and getting almost no production out of him they've got to do something so I think that would be really interesting and also it, it keeps the offense guessing and anything you can do to, to add any kind of pressure now I want to go back to the defensive line what do you want to see out of this unit here in the offseason is is there a, a a position that needs to be drafted would you rather see them bring in another de defensive tackle defensive end do you is there a free agent that you've really got your head on or are you just thinking when Eddie Goldman gets back this unit may be good as is. Great question. Obviously, the Bears GM, head coach, they've got a lot of questions to answer. It's amazing how they, they made the playoffs. They were 8-8, eight and eight, and no, nobody's anywhere near happy. They might as well be 4-12 and 12, as far as the fan base is concerned because they, they set us a high expectation two years ago. So they've got a lot of things they got to address in this offseason. But I think defensive line should be one of their lowest priorities. My opinion, they've got, like you said, hopefully Eddie Goldman fresh, coming back, healthy. Hopefully he has enough time to get, you know, into football shape. But he should be a huge boost for them. Bilal Nichols, what a year he had, I think, with Goldman out. That certainly helped him emerge. So he's coming in with a lot of experience. And Akeem Hicks is coming back. And hopefully he'll be healthy. So those are, in my opinion, your three best defensive linemen. And they're all under contract. So that's a big, big thing for this offseason. Now, the rest of their off defensive line, every single one of them, is an unrestricted free agent. Jenkins, Urban, Edwards Jr., Robertson Harris, and McCullers are all unrestricted free agents. So that means other teams, that means they've been in the league for four more seasons, they have an expired contract, and they are free to negotiate and sign with another team. So – they're going to have to work on their depth in the offseason, but I think in terms of priority and money, they're not going to need to spend a lot there. They do need to get some young guys, though, because Hicks is 31. Goldman is, I think he's 27, so he'll be 28. So those two guys are starting to get a little bit, a little bit long in the tooth when it comes to just battle. Uh, Nichols, however, is young. So if you're going to keep some of those guys on your roster – Maybe Brent Urban isn't the guy because he's 29 going on 30. Maybe you can still get some more out of Mario Edwards Jr., but he's going to have to put on some weight to play in the scheme, in my opinion, at a higher level. So they can, they can re-sign a couple guys, don't spend a lot of money on them, 
you can pick up free agent young defensive linemen late in the draft and in the uh, free agent pool, I think. Uh, there are so many needs of this team on offense, the Allen Robinson question, but the salary cap position of the Chicago Bears is not very good. So you saying that they can maybe save a little bit of money here really is encouraging. Well, you know, they play a 3-4 for the most part, and they have their three best players under contract. So you got your, all your starters coming back. Now it's just about plug and play some depth, and I think that's where you can save some money. Absolutely. Any last thoughts you want to throw at us about the defensive line before we get to our absolute favorite segment here, Tom? I think we answered all, all the questions that I prepared to answer. Uh, I would say that Eddie Goldman, to me, is the key. A, does he come back? B, is he fresh and is he ready to make an impact? Because Akeem Hicks certainly needs him to be that, that guy. And the Bears and Sean Desai do as well. Absolutely. I'll be curious. I know there's been some chatter about them switching more to a base 4-3 instead of a 3-4. Uh, what Eddie Goldman would look like in that? Because he is more of that traditional nose tackle position. I'd be kind of curious to see what happens out of that. But it seems, though, he's a good enough player where he transcends scheme. Am I, am yeah. I missing anything here? No, I, I think that I hope they don't because although I played in a four, three and a four, four, my entire life, and I was more of a three technique uh, with some nose tackle play. I think that the teams they're trying to compete with that they need to get over the hump against green Bay Packers, obviously. And uh, some of the other teams in the, in the NFC, like a Seahawks, they, you could even say the Buccaneers. I don't know how long Brady's going to go, but he'll probably be back next year unless they win the Super Bowl. We'll see. Those teams throw the football. They throw it a lot. And you've got to have more guys in the secondary. So the 3-4, I think, helps with that pass coverage. And it allows you to disguise blitzes and bring pressure from different places. So I hope they don't. I remember when they first brought in Vic Fangio to make that switch because – Lovey Smith's system had been a 4-3 forever and I was really re reluctant to it at first and obviously the growing pains of transitioning that roster from a 4-3 to 3-4 but I agree with you I think this team is built as a 3-4 with a little bit of hybrid into it I think that the sky is the limit for this defense depending upon that salary cap and if we see some cap casualties I know Akeem Hicks name has been thrown around uh, quite a bit that that he could be a cap casualty of this team which I hope not. He's been one of my favorite Chicago Bears for, for quite some time. Yeah, if the, if the Tennessee Titans were the teams you were trying to get over the hump against, or even the Baltimore Ravens, you've got to maybe think about switching that scheme. But because it's the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and they sling the ball around, you think you've got to stay with this scheme and just uh, build some depth. But you don't have to spend a ton of money on D-line, in my opinion. Well said. Now, our favorite segment for all of our guests and folks, if you're listening and you haven't gone through the linebacker podcast, just one more time, I'm going to say this. We, we, we've mentioned it a, a few times since. My friend Rob Kirkland knows football, but doesn't like Portillo's. So Tom, no matter what you say about your unpopular opinion, it's not going to be as bad as that. I don't care what it is. So Tom, I got to ask, what is your unpopular opinion? I've got three that I'd like to share. Please do. Let's go for it. First and foremost, coming off the Christmas season, give me less, less, and less Mariah Carey. <laughs> I All don't right. understand the appeal. I, I 
saw enough of her as a judge on American Idol. I am done with her. <laughs> I will take more Paula Abdul before I'll go there. All right. There Janet we are. Jackson. Let's bring Janet Jackson back. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I need some escapade in my life. Um, you know, along with that Christina Aguilera, same thing. Less of her, please. Uh, <laughs> the second unpopular opinion for me is ketchup on Italian beef and hot dogs. Yes. Wait, wait. We'll move past the hot dog one. You got to just wait, wait, just one second here. I'm, I'm like trying to collect my thoughts. Ketchup on Italian beef. Where, dude, where's this coming from, man? Tell me more about so, this. So you go, you go to Portillo's or, you know, Bona Beef, wherever you're going to go. You slap on the Jardinier. You got to have the sweet peppers. And then you got to throw the ketchup on because the ketchup, it just brings it all together. Now you also have to have a little bit of au jus on the side. So <laughs> you just got to make that thing nice and soggy. And the ketchup just gives you a little bit of a sweetness that you can't get from the peppers. <laughs> now that is a sandwich. And as a Bears fan, you got to have sweetness, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, nice plug. Absolutely. <laughs> that, is a, that is a very healthy sandwich. Okay, and now you, you've got me on this one. I don't know. Number three. Let's, i got to hear number three now. Number three, going back to uh, the music theme, and people are going to say what they want about this. The Beatles may be a little overrated. I can't believe it. Tom, you got to understand that you're not going to, you're not expecting this. I was saving that because I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I thought there's nobody else on the planet that is going to agree with me on this one. Uh, dude, I am applauding you full. Dude, you got to be the first person I have met. Aside from, I was also in bands and a couple of the guys I played in a band with also thought the same thing. Dude, Give me more on that, man, because I am fist pumping right now. I'm so excited to hear that. <laughs> I think their timing was impeccable. And I think that Paul McCartney and John Lennon are extremely talented. And I'm not going to take anything away from them for that. But I think their timing may have promoted their hype, may have created their hype a bit more than their music did. You know, they, the, the, the country, the world was looking for kind of a happy go lucky, sing along, make me feel good type of vibe. And they came on and just plugged it. And, you know, they were decent looking guys too. And then they kind of went on to their whole little, or at least John Lennon did his political side. And so I just think that when you listen to their music, it's really good. But, you know, our cover band can cover it pretty easily. <laughs> There's other bands. I mean, when we try to cover Bruce Springsteen, not so easy. And, uh, Give me more Bob Seger all day. Oh, man. Uh, one of the guitar players in one of the bands that I was in was the biggest boss fan, loved Bruce Springsteen, and was telling me that the dude doesn't have an opener. He just comes up and just will play for like two to four hours. Like, oh, you want to hear that song from 1970, whatever? Let's do it right now. You're like, how do you? He's yeah. still rocking and rolling, man. It's incredible. I don't, I don't think the Beatles, I, the Beatles are great. Listen, you know, one of the best bands of all time. But Absolutely. I, just think that, I just think that they've been a little overhyped. That's all. Man, 
I, I never thought that you and I would agree on Matt. Dude, uh, bravo. That, that is pretty awesome. All right, Tom Rossi, thanks for being our guest. Before we send you off here, is there any shout outs, anybody that's out there that might be listening to this podcast that you wanted to, to give a shout out to? Well, I don't know that he would be listening because of his status in the radio world, but I want to give a quick shout out to my man, Len Walter, who just retired the business and financial editor of WBBM radio for, I don't know how many years, but I listen to him every morning. You know, I'm a financial planner. So that's the first thing that I listen to. And uh, I've, I've been listening to him for years. So shout out to him for, you know, not only being a great broadcaster and starting my mornings off, but 53 years of marriage, I think too. So just a class guy. That's my shout out. And I just also want to say to all those high school kids out there that are going through this COVID situation, I think you've probably had it the roughest, the senior citizens too, but the high school kids, shout out to them. It's time to get back to school. It's time to get back to sports, but your life, your life is so important and, and you need to keep, keep staying positive every single day because this has been really tough and I sympathize for all of you. Very well said, my friend. Very, very well said. Uh, now, usually I end the podcast by saying, and as always, folks, bear down. But I think since we've got Harry Carey in the booth, I'm wondering, do you think you could, you could help us out here and have Harry Carey send us out of here for this podcast? Boy, oh boy. I don't know. That's a tall order. You know, dangle, spell backwards, is like Ned. I mean, I, I don't know what that means. There's a ground ball to third. Steve Bouchelle up with it. Anyway, there's more where that came from. But in the words that I shared for so many years, the final score, Cubs five, the Montana Expos three. So long, everybody, and stay tuned. Different Strokes is up next on WGN.